0: Hi, and welcome to Trinidad Podcast, Trinidad Renaissance Podcast. And tonight I have a special guest with me, uh, Brian Doubt. Brian, go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Okay, sure. Uh, my name is Brian Doubt. Um, I'm a Canadian and um, Guyanese uh, citizen. I'm a citizen of both Canada and Guyana. And um, some people may be familiar with my story when I was traveling through Trinidad and I had a, um, a bit of a layover and an experience with the Trinidad and Tobago justice system as I um, was in transit through Trinidad. And, um, you know, my background is as I'm a natural born Canadian and who married a Guyanese woman and um, traveled back and forth between the two countries. So I've traveled through Trinidad quite a few times.
0: That's awesome. Awesome. So I have to ask you, Brian, um, why were you in Trinidad? Well,
1: I was in transit. I Finished spending the holidays with my family, my wife and um, my daughter, and I have some st- stepchildren there um, in in Guyana, and um, I was returning to Canada, and so it's quite you know Guyana is um, sort of at the end of a transit <laughs> um, right. apparatus through you know Caribbean Airlines, and so it's normal for a lot of flights to you know I think Trinidad is the hub for um, Caribbean Airlines, so it's quite yeah. normal to travel through. I've done it many, many times. So I was just right, on my right. way back to Canada.
0: Just as a layover?
1: Yeah, I was there for, um, I think, eight hours or something, like nine hours or something. And which um, just supposed to be, you know, as, as you normally would in a situation like that. If I was like, in a layover in the United States, it um, wouldn't make you exit – you know the you wouldn't even have to you go through customs, but then they would just all your bags would be intact. You wouldn't have to go through security. You would just um, stay in the secure area of the airport.
0: Right, right. You, usually that's the uh, that's the experience. So, have you ever tr- visited Trinidad before your uh, unfortunate incident?
1: I had I had done that about um, I guess back in two thousand six.
2: Okay. Um, okay, so my so, wife so... and
1: I visited Trinidad for about a week. My mm-hmm. wife was applying for a visa in Canada, so we we, we traveled to the Canadian embassy in Trinidad for her to make the application. Okay. And we stayed at a bed and breakfast. For okay, a week so so,
0: so what were your experiences like?
1: Well, we didn't spend a lot of time out. We were cautioned by the bed and breakfast people not to travel around too much. <laughs> really? Yeah. They were like, "Oh yeah, you you could get kidnapped and all kinds of stuff." So we just kind of laid low, and okay. we went shopping a few times. We went to the mall and some down, downtown, and but we didn't. I don't. I'm not really a nightlife kind of person, so I don't really, you know, I don't go out too much at night, anyways. Right, so right. We just sort of enjoyed some of the shopping and movie theaters and things like that when we were in town.
0: Sure, sure. So, so why don't you uh, take the opportunity now to, uh, I know you've probably do- done this uh, so many times before because, uh, you know, your videos and your interviews went viral. But take the time now to, uh, you know, describe the incident. Describe what happened, your experiences recently sure, and try sure. that.
1: Okay, well, I was traveling through and then, and, and, uh, like, um, when, in this instance, when I, I don't know why they have it like this, but maybe there's a reason, but this is what happened. So I to get on the plane in Guyana, all my bags were x-rayed. Everything went through security, like a normal um, airline security. And then I um, embarked on the plane and um, made it through Trinidad. And then I had to switch planes in Trinidad. Um, and so they were bringing some people – some people because I, – I don't know why, but they got to stay in the departure area where – me i i showed them my ticket and they're like no you have to go out to customs and back in again so i said okay fine it's kind of inconvenient but i've got eight nine hours so whatever i'll just go back out and back in and then just go back and sit in, in the departure lounge for a while maybe try to get some wi-fi right <laughs> and so so i went out through customs and um they had no issues with me whatsoever they saw i was in transit and they said okay well what are you here for? Instead of a transit, here's my flight number. And I said, okay. So they just passed me through. And I had a camouflage backpack. Didn't say anything about that right. there. And then um, as soon as I got out of that spot, you're in sort of, you're in the airport area. And uh, to get into that area, you have to show like a, um, a boarding pass. So I was in right. where all the stores are. And right there is an escalator going back up through the security so I'm like, okay, well, I don't really want to get anything duty-free. So um, I just uh, went right back up into security to go right back into an area where I had just come out of. <laughs> so, right, right. Um, so, I'm, I, you know, I, I was at this point quite relaxed and normal. And they ran my bag through. And then they, um, one of the security officers, uh, airport security, said, oh, they ran my bag through again, and she did a uh, – a more detailed search and she found a keychain bullet. So it was it was basically a bullet that had been fired. And right. instead of the primer, it had like a key ring eyelet coming out and then an, a, a new bullet had been placed on the end. But as anybody who's familiar with firearms would know, it right. would be impossible to fire that. Because uh-huh. there's no primer. The primer's gone. So you could never fire that. Yes. Okay. And so you could even shake it and you wouldn't be able to hear anything inside. Like if you shake a normal bullet, you can hear the the powder. Yes. It's not black powder and it's not gunpowder anymore. They use a new chemical, I can't remember the name, but you could shake it around. You could hear that powder inside. And so anybody could, and they could run it through the x-ray, which they did, and you would be able to tell the inside of the bullet. It would show up in the x-ray. So the guards are kind of getting a little um, excited because they found one and then two and then three bullets. And they're like, what are you doing with this? And I said, well, it's just a keychain. I said, I said, if it's a problem, you can just take it. You know, it's not a big thing. But like I would have anticipated anything that's non-threatening. Like you, I've gotten through with a knife before that I forgot in my bag. And in Canada, this happens to people all the time. And right. uh, what they'll do with you in Canada is say, "Oh, you can't take this on the plane, but you can go back and put it in your luggage, or you can go put it in your car in the parking lot, or give it to somebody if you like." They'll let you like exit the airport with your knife or whatever, and and um, you know go deal with it. Right. If they wouldn't arrest you. There wouldn't be a problem with a knife. Okay. So people have said, I think on the chat, "Oh, yeah, if you had a knife, you'd be arrested." And well, that's not the case. So even with Even with bullets, they might just confiscate it in Canada. They wouldn't say, oh, you're trying to board an airplane with that. They would just say, oh, well, you can't take this. And they would, uh, you know, I don't know, like a full bullet, but a keychain bullet. One of the security guards in Canada messaged me after the whole story came out, and they said, oh, that's actually not allowed on the plane in Canada. What day did you travel through? And I'm like, oh, well, I didn't want to get anybody in trouble or anything, so I just left that alone. Of course. Apparently, it would have been prohibited in Canada, but they said, well, you wouldn't be allowed to bring it on the plane. we tell you to go put it in your carry-on or your, your checked luggage, or you could give it to somebody. And that's happened to me in the past where I forgot a knife and they said, Oh, well, we'll get the airline to bring your luggage out. You can put it in there and then they'll take it back in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a stark difference from what, what happened to you.
1: Yeah. So then they, um, then they're like, okay, well, this is prohibited. This is, this is, um, um, this is, this is prohibited. This is illegal in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, can we settle this now? Can I just pay a fine now or whatever and just be on my way? They're like, no, I have to place you under arrest. No way. So I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? So they're like, yes, this is this is prohibited here and uh, we have to put you under arrest. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy over right. It, 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 and, and let me just make this clear from the beginning. Everybody knew, the police knew, everybody knew, everybody knew that these were not operate, operable bullets.
0: They were inert as you said you in Oswald.
1: You could never fire them. And anybody who had any familiarity with a, with a firearm would know. There's no possibility for them to be fired. Yeah, so you have to have a primer in there, and that takes like a machine to actually remount a primer in there, like a press. Right. Okay, and so th- it would be impossible for these things to be fired. So right. they could have taken a pair of pliers and pulled them apart. But obviously, the law says in Trinidad that you can't have even an empty shell casing. Okay. Right. So even the empty shell casing was illegal. So by the strict standards of the law, they know that. This shell casing is illegal. Now, the, the guards don't write the laws. The, lo- the guards and the police enforce the laws. And the way the legal system works in Canada, I suspect it's similar in, in Trinidad, is, is the, um, the crown prosecutor or the state prosecutor, or whoever, the attorney who, who's in charge of the in the United States, they would call the DA, they would decide what crimes they're going to prosecute and what they're not. So the police would be instructed, well, these people, you can let them go. These people, you know, we're going to prosecute and all this sort of thing. So they they are probably under their laws and rules and and their supervisor that they had to arrest me. So I don't blame any of the police or anything like that. But they just went on with the charade that these were actually dangerous.
0: Yeah, I have to ask, though, I have to ask you, do you think that perhaps – their response to the situation and, and all of that was just a little bit over the top.
1: It was. Yeah. But they ha- they're putting on the charade that is dangerous because you know, they're going to charge you with something. Right. So right. they have to make it seem like it's serious when in fact they know what's not.
2: Right, and right. so they, they
1: handcuffed me and uh perp walked me out of the airport down into the le- luggage area. Mm-hmm. So I get down there and then there, so they do a search of my carry on bags. Mm-hmm. my car I had two bags and they said, okay, well, you can't have this bag. So you have to take all of your things and put it into a garbage bag because we're seizing it. Oh. And that wow. was my camouflage backpack. And I said, well, look, I've already got checked bags here. Can't you just, you know, take this and put it with my checked luggage? You know, let me get a couple of things out of it because I'm in transit. Because I've been through Trinidad many times before and I've gotten – the message about the, um, you know, camouflage, it's illegal in Trinidad. Yes, it right. is.
0: Yes, it is. That's right.
1: Yeah. So so I'm like, so I knew I wasn't dressed in any camouflage because it made me change my pants when I've been in transit before. Mm-hmm. So and that's happened to me before where they said, well, those pants are illegal here. You have to change them. I said, well, I'm just passing through. They're like, no. So I had to go to my luggage, change into some non-camouflage pants and then come back. Right. So So then I knew, but I didn't think the bag... Would be a problem. And even because I was in transit. So they made me empty everything into a garbage bag. And then um, I had my other bag, and then like my laptop bag, and then this carrot. And so, and you know, I have to say, these guys weren't like cruel or anything. The police were less cruel than the customs people because once they got me outside into the vehicle and they were going to take me to the police station, I heard a couple of them saying that was overdoing it to take his bag away like that. This guy's just entranced that they should have just left him, left his bag alone, or
0: or, uh, or cover it with
1: a garbage bag, right? So that nobody. Right, right, it. right. I, I so, mean, so talking, you know, I tried to reason with them every way along the every time along the way. Like people think, why did you say this? Why? Well, I, I was, you know, trying to reason with people the whole time. Right? So,
0: this, describe, uh, describe your your. Give, give us the blow-by-blow blow with the, your interaction with the customs officers.
1: Okay, well, well like in the first instance, yeah, yeah, well, they're just like, well, this is illegal. I'm like, okay, well, can't you just take it? And they're like, well, no, and this, is, this is serious. And Uh-oh. they called the supervisor up, and I tried to reason with him. I said, well, uh, this is, you know, can I pay a fine here? Or, you know, is there a way through this? And he's like, no, we have to – he says, he says, you're not going to get what you want, and I'm not going to get what I want. I want a nice, quiet evening where I don't have to deal with anything, and you're not going to get on your plane. So neither of us is going to get what they want. So Real. you're being arrested. So I'm so, like, so, oh. so the the option
0: of taking the path of uh, least resistance was not, not there. It was just not going to happen for you.
1: Yeah. So I tried to reason my way out of it, and, and then they wouldn't accept any of my arguments. And yeah. so – and I said, this is, I said, this has gone through customs. This is, you know, this is not illegal in Canada. Like all of these different things. And they, they, didn't, hey, did
0: you, they didn't. Did you, did you get the, well, like this that. is not Canada. This is Trinidad. No,
1: not, not there at that point. They're like, well, they said, even shell casings are illegal in Trinidad. I said, oh, okay. Well, who would know that? Like nobody. And people have said to me, "You should have researched. The... I right, know, right, like, right. A single person who travels that ever researches the country of the place that they're in transit through or like are traveling through like we've all heard some of the stories of you know don't throw don't chew gum in in Singapore or you know don't right, climb right. on the Buddhist statues in 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 Thailand or you <laughs> don't get caught with marijuana or any drugs in some of the eastern countries because that's jail time right so. You know, so you,
0: so people. you would, you would argue. I'm sorry to interject. You would argue that your uh, experiences were just circumstantial, because and it's for the most part, uh, people in transit, like you said, don't necessarily have uh, foreknowledge of the the rules of a particular rules and laws of a particular place that they might by happenstance happen to, you know, to be. Right.
1: Yeah. So you like, have, um, like you know, like. And also there might be a warning or something in the airport or, you know, um, like you can read things on the Internet, uh, like uh, like foreign, the foreign Services Canada puts up posts about,
2: you know, uh, dangers,
1: dangers to different countries and will tell you what to look out for, you know. And, um, I've, and I haven't read the one about Trinidad It may or may not mention that. It might be worthwhile looking up. Right, but because right. I've been through without any problems so many times before.
0: Yeah. You um, never calculated that it was going to be a problem.
1: Yeah. I never even thought that uh, an inert bullet keychain would cause such a problem. So, you know, and people are like, well, we have a big problem here with all this. Well, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think that there's people picking up empty shell casings and using them to reload I think that's a. I think that's just a way to snare people, <laughs> snare snare people who may have cell casings on them. Right, right. right. Yeah, so continues. continues. <laughs> yeah. So then, so then, you know, I'm downstairs. So I try to reason with the person to let me keep my bag or store it or you know put it with my other luggage or anything like that. And then that wasn't happening. So then they they brought me to the police station, to um, for questioning or take a statement, or to charge me, rather, is when they, they process me to charge me with the two offenses.
0: Okay, so what was that like?
1: Well, I, they brought me to, like, a briefing room. It was quite nice. It was quite comfortable, and um, it wasn't, like, a normal, it wasn't a cell or anything like that. So they were sitting at a desk, and I was sitting in the briefing area, and they were writing out their charges, and a few police officers were coming and going, you know, just seeing what was going on. And they let me access my bag to get a book, and so I was, and they took the handcuffs off. And, you know, they, 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 they sort of allowed me, to call my wife when I was in handcuffs at the airport and I told her, I said, look, I'm in, I'm in, you know, call some people, get things happening because I'm in handcuffs. I showed her I was in handcuffs and uh, I only had like 30 seconds before they're like, yeah, I got the phone now. So then, you know, oh, I was wow. on like a FaceTime video with her for that. And she's like, what? She was like, yeah, the yeah, yeah. and then, so she started calling my family in Canada to let them know what was going on. And then when I was at the, um, Police station, they let me text, but they did. They, they lost patience with that too. They're like, "Yeah, give us the phone back. You can't have that anymore." So then they 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 took that back and they shut off the phone and gave it to them. And that was the last time. Well, that was not. That was the last time that day I could use the phone. So, um, so then they they asked me some questions, you know, date of birth and I had some details like just to fill out their paperwork and all that sort of stuff and where were you going, and blah, 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 all the different details so they could put it into their police report and charge me. So then they gave me two little slips that told me what charge, and they were actually only gonna charge me with possession of ammunition. And another police officer came in, a more senior rank, who mm-hmm. said, uh, yeah, you need to add this charge to it too, I'm trying to board an aircraft. So I like, oh, okay. Wow. So, so they're like, okay, so they, they went, and they added that charge. So I got two charges. One was possession of ammunition, Mm-hmm. which includes empty shell cases, and then the other was attempting to board an aircraft with ammunition. And the way it's defined in Trinidad is even empty shell casings, anything like that. So no other place would define that as ammunition.
0: That's interesting. That is important to note.
1: Yeah, so I don't know anybody, I don't know any other country that would define a a jewelry piece or a keychain. These things, I buy them from the United States for my store. I own a army surplus in Kelowna, Canada. Yeah, And um, they like I order these things from the United States. There's no special customs things or anything like that. They come through customs into Canada like no problem. You don't have to have a special license for it or anything like that They just arrive. Right, right. There's no, there's nothing. Right.
0: yeah, yeah. Prohibited,
1: illegal, or anything like that. So the United States or Canada doesn't recognize those as ammunition.
0: Yeah, yeah. They're not live rounds or anything like
1: that. So No, I mean, and to, to make them live, you would have to do a fair bit of work. You'd have to, like, pull right. it out again. You'd have to take the primer out. And I suspect, like, they have glue in them or whatever. They have to, they'd have to clean all that out. It would be more wor- work than is worthwhile.
0: So so what was what was going through your mind around this time what were you thinking like what was your disposition I was
1: like? like oh my gosh what an inconvenience right because i'm going to miss my flight
0: right I, right
1: so, so at this point i was still convinced i was going to be cuz one of them sat down and said look this is what's going to happen at the airport, then after I was when they, before they took my bag away, they're like, "Okay, listen, this is what's going to happen. You're going to are going to be taken, and you're going to get charged, and you'll be brought before the magistrate tomorrow. You just complete guilty for these two things, and you'll pay a fine. And you'll be along your way tomorrow." So this was on a weekday. Uh, yeah, this is uh, but it was just it was a holiday. I think it was it was a Monday, and I think the Monday was a holiday or the Tuesday or something. It was a Monday. Okay. I think it was a yeah, it was a weekday. And like the, the the day that I was arrested was a holiday, so I think it was a Monday, like a long weekend in Trinidad. Okay,
2: okay. I can't remember
1: the date. So, anyways, uh, they're like, yeah, you'll go before the magistrate tomorrow. And just be guilty. You'll pay a fine. You'll be along your way. So I'm like, right, uh, okay. One day, you know, is bad enough, right?
0: Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's did you did you at any point high. in time did you at any point in time feel like it was a shakedown?
1: Well, yeah, kind of at that point when you're being arrested for such a small thing.
0: Right, right. You know, I have to ask these questions because, you know, I have to be fair. Right. But I I plan on asking you very hard questions, but I will be fair.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. I I was thinking, like, well, this is overdoing it for this situation, Right. right? So, you know. I thought, like, because this is my observation. I've lived in the developing world. I lived in Guyana for seven years. I worked in Africa. I worked in Haiti. Right. And what tends to happen, and this is just something that I've observed um, um, citizens and people of these areas tend to be very good at the little, small, important rules, but not very good at the big, important rules. Interesting. So, they're very good at saying the manners like good morning, hello, and all, keeping the appearances of being good. Like in Guyana, it's a big offense if you don't say good morning to somebody. If they say good morning to you and you don't say good morning back, yeah.
2: Oh, all in Trinidad that too.
1: What an offense.
0: Yes, like yes. In
1: Canada, yes. if you say good morning and somebody just nods to you or doesn't, you're like, no. Oh. You're like, okay. Maybe they're not talkative to today or whatever. Uh-huh. You don't like get all offended. You don't like say, oh, my gosh, this person didn't say good morning to me when I said good morning to them. And so, you know, I, so the, the, the societies, I think, and this is, like I said, this, is, this isn't just something that I saw in a week. I mean, I lived in Guyana for seven years. It's, people are very good at keeping the little rules, like you can't wear shorts to the government building. You, you, know, you have <laughs> a dress code. You've got, you know, long, long, long pants. You know, um, uh, you have to uh, do, do this rule. You can't uh, have this. Thing wrong with you like little little things but yeah. everybody's cheating on their wife and husband and stealing and pilfering and robbing <laughs> and everything else right?
0: so vestiges <laughs> all of these things are, uh,
1: rules people aren't doing right, right. all the little ones and the outward appearances those are being kept okay
2: yeah so vestiges that's vestiges of colonialism
1: yeah well I don't know maybe it is I mean Canada's a post-colonial country too uh-huh uh, you know we used to we used to be a colony of England Right. So uh, sort of Australia, sort of New Zealand. Good point. And Canada, other, cause Singapore, all these other countries have that. Asia you know, different. I've never been there, so I don't want to comment too much about it. But the places that I've been, okay. you know, Ghana was a former English colony. Haiti was oh. a former French colony. But there's not much vestiges of the French system there at all. Right. It was, well. it was the first successful slave rebellion in the world. So the French or the the Haitian system is its own system unto itself. And so they've got their own anything, but they're good at keeping the small rules too. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I feel like that's a way of sort of having the veneer of being a rule keeper, but not really doing it in your heart, like for the things that are important.
0: Right. That's a very good point.
1: well, this is what I used to tell people in Guyana. You know, people would always complain about the corruption of the politicians and the corruption in the police and the corruption. And, and I'm like, I said, okay. So I said, I said, how many Guyanese do you think you can trust, 100%? And some would say none. and Some would say, oh, like 1% or a couple percent. I'd say, okay, well, why do you expect your politicians to be any different than the average person?
0: Very good point. If
1: you can't trust your neighbor... Why would you assume that you could trust a politician? So the poli- the politicians are reflective are, are 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 a reflection of the society. Is- in some cases, they're 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 more, you know, criminal than the society because politics can, not always, can attract people who want to, you know, take advantage of the society and you know pilfer and things like that. It's in the right. United States. It's in Canada. You know, it's in every country. There's certain people who want to take advantage of those power situations.
0: Now, Brian, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy that you mentioned that because uh, you and I have, we have interacted on, on Facebook and social media, and we've spoken a couple of times mm-hmm. on social media um, ever since uh, your, uh, your experience in Trinidad. And I'm so happy that you brought that up. And, and I think you could recall, I, 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 this is something that I stress to Trinidadians, that, you know, the government, your, your politicians are a reflection of you.
1: Yeah, it it's a well, hunting. everywhere. We have corrupt politicians too. That right. that basically means that our society is not corruption free. But there's different degrees of corruption, right? Yes. Let's, let's be honest with it. With yes. You, right. Um, you know, there's the degree of corruption, you know, in the United States, or the degree of corruption in Canada and Trinidad and all these different countries. And so I would say, well, I say you want to fix your country, start with yourself.
0: Right, you right. Be
1: honest, you be straight up in the way you deal with things and the way you expect people to interact with you and don't be corrupt. Don't do bribes. Don't do payoffs. Don't encourage it. Don't do it. Don't engage in it. Don't associate with people who are, who are criminals. Don't have any business with them and try to do business with other people who are honest and be honest yourself, raise your children to be honest and upfront and up straight people, you know, all of that. Start with yourself. Because that's who you only ultimately have control of.
0: Absolutely. Sure. Thank you very much for that message, Brian. Uh, now, yeah. Brian, I have yeah. to ask you, incidentally, um, mm-hmm. what did you think about the, I think his name is Brian as well, Brian Crawford in Guyana. The the uh, Ryan Crawford in Guyana, the lawyer that was pulled over?
1: Oh, I haven't heard about that so what happened? You haven't? No.
0: Well, he was, he was, uh... <laughs> He was quite a noisome pestilence. Uh, he was not. Uh, he was not too pleased about being pulled over because apparently in Guyana, um, I visited Guyana quite a few times myself. Um, the police officers uh, they they pull over uh, the average uh, driver or and motorist for bribes. Yeah. So you you mentioned bribery. You know, don't. Oh get yeah. Into, uh, yeah.
1: Is in Guyana, you're talking about.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: I'll tell you my experience with being pulled over in Guyana. Now, this is, this is what I've observed living there. I know people who used to have RX-8s down there who sold them because they got tired of being pulled over so much.
0: Right, right, right.
1: So the, the, the perception of money makes you get pulled over. The police will just pull you over for nothing. They'll right. find a, some little flaw on your vehicle or your registration or your insurance or something like that and then give you, threaten to give you a ticket unless you pay them something right there.
0: Right, They won't right.
1: say it. They'll let you say it. They'll let you. Well, you know, you know. They'll say, "Well, you know, I haven't eaten today," or you know, you know. Maybe you can help us out. You can go along your way. You know, they, you know how that is. People fry you know, rice. Like asking for a bribe. They 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 speak in a code. or say fry rice or something, or something like that, right? Well, whatever. Like in, in, <laughs> in the Dominican Republic, they say they're hungry. They say they haven't eaten. They need some. They Right. In in um in. In Guyana, usually they just say, well, you know, um, uh, you know, can you help us out today or something like that, right? Right, and, right, right. And right. so, like, I, I got tired of it because one time – and there's a lot of Brazilians in Guyana who are in the gold mining business, and they get pulled over, but they come from a corrupt country like Brazil, and so they're quick to pay bribes and because they don't want any problem because they're, they're illegally, and if they get – caught by customs, ultimately they could get thrown out of the country. So that never happens because they just pay bribes to stay. Right. So they will pay the police quickly. And so they kind of spoil it for the rest of them. <laughs> Because <laughs> it kind of means that the rest of them have to pay bribes too. So one time I got, because of my complexion, I'm white. So I look like a Brazilian, you have money. somebody. Yeah, the perception is white equals rich equals money or whatever. And yes. now, I'm not a rich person. I'm a I'm a middle class Canadian. So maybe by Guyanese standards I'm rich, but by Canadian standards I'm quite middle class. Um, right. And so, um, so I got pulled over one time, three times before break before lunchtime. And I just got tired of it. I just got tired of it. And this one time, the police officer pulled me over and. A cop, a motorcycle cop and I just like sometimes I get out of it if I don't want to have an argument I'll say look I just gave something to the guys back there and like oh okay go along your way and then sometimes if I just get tired of it I'll say look you see a white guy driving I to pull him over like, right right like you know you know I'm sorry target, you just get tired of it right you're just like you know I'm, yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah, go out. yeah I gotta get freaking pulled over man like seriously yeah you so you know long. let me live my life I'm not doing yeah that, yeah man. yeah so,
0: so the general perception of uh, of uh, police uh, brutality and uh, and uh, police harassment is that, they you know, know that of the know, white cops.
1: Like, they will let me go for like five or ten bucks, right? They let me go for like five bucks or something or whatever, even if I was doing something wrong. Like I've run, right, I've, right. I've run a stop sign and it's a trap and I'm just like, oh, okay, oh, here, you know, here, just to help you guys out. They're like, okay, go. And then that's it. Then you're done. Right. So you don't have to pay a ticket. And so, but this happened to me in Africa too when I was in in Ghana. And uh, they pulled everybody over and everybody had to pay before they could go. So, to me, that was a more fair system because it's like a high, like a toll booth, it's like a road tax. You're not discriminating, you're just pulling everybody over and everybody has to pay and then everybody can go. So, I wasn't being discriminated against there.
0: Right, right. So,
1: like every other person. And I, yeah, I know yeah, The police didn't make enough money to pay their, to live on. So they had to supplement their income some way. So some I'd rather else. them do that than like fix crimes or like take bribes from murderers or other criminals, yeah. have a highway tax. And that way, it's direct taxation it goes right. In, and there's a, all the ranks divide up the money at the end of the day. The high ranking guys get more money, and the lower ranking guys get less money. And that's the way it works. And that system works because they, they're supplementing their income with a direct taxation on the highway. If you're traveling, you're going to have to pay the tax or the bribe, whatever. But it's a way that works that, to me, was non-discriminatory. Right. So to me, if the police wanted oh, to do it like that, like don't discriminate against me because I, the perception is I have money. I don't think it was a racial thing. To me, it wasn't racial. It was more like the perception of money. Right? Classism. Yeah, cl- you whatever, money. Just,
0: yeah you know, yeah right so if the general per-
1: rx they don't care what race you are if you have an rx8 they're pulling you over because you have money right
0: right, right. the general perception in, in in the west is of police harassment is that of the white police officer uh taking advantage of the black and brown uh, uh motorist right and so here you right. are yeah. <laughs> you are you know First
1: the minority right Whatever. If you're the minority, then maybe you're going to get picked on a little bit. I don't know. Maybe. I, and I lived in the United States for a couple of years. I lived there for two years. I didn't see much systemic racism. That may right. happen. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm not saying there's not racist people. But as a society, yeah. it's not systemic. Like, we don't tolerate it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, it's, and, it's, you can,
1: and you can actually. It respond. is so taboo. <laughs> yeah, you could, you could, you could be brought up on charges for that. You know, you absolutely, in absolutely. Canada, you could go to a human rights tribunal in the United States if you get enough people behind it. This is the one thing I'm surprised of in, in Trinidad is there's no ombudsman. Like there's, there's no an o- ombudsman. Yes,
0: it's, yes, it's, okay, ombudsman. Okay.
1: ombudsman who represents sort of the people who don't get any redress from anywhere else,
0: right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, so. so- so with that in with that in mind about um, uh, you know bribes and corruption, uh, so I'm going to ask you again. So do you think it was? You still don't think it was a shakedown in Trinidad because of your uh, your race or possibly a culture? I don't I think
1: it was. A, I don't think it was a race. I don't think it was racially motivated for them. I think they would have arrested anybody with the shell casings. But if you're traveling on a jet, then you have enough money to pay a, a fine to go. Right. Okay. Okay. So. You know, I, if I was a, whatever, anybody from any other race, I think they would have done the same thing to me. So
0: it's not, it's, it's not a case of classism either, do you think?
1: I think, well, they wouldn't care if I had money or not. I don't they were going I, to arrest you. Yeah, because I, because whatever, like, even in the prison, the police, the, the guards don't care if you have money or not. If you want this, you got to pay it. Oh, okay. Right? okay. So it's yeah, so, just the cost of, of, uh, of being caught.
0: Right.
1: right? Like, it's like a trap. They set the trap and whatever person may happen to get caught in it, they don't care.
0: Right. If right. You're going
1: to have to call your rich uncle Henry to send money to you to get out. Even though you don't have any money, we don't care. You just have to, you have to pay this. So it's a, it's a snare and whatever person happens to get caught in it, black, white, red, yellow, money, no money. That's your problem.
2: Right, right. There's no mercy.
1: There's no consideration for your individual situation.
0: Right. That's my
1: perception of it.
0: I I understand. I totally get it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's exactly, that was my my perception of it when when I saw your video. It was like, okay. Yeah,
1: and I don't think they treated me any better or worse. They maybe, okay, well, let me just qualify that. They might have treated me a little (laughs) better because as a Canadian and I'm accustomed being treated by the proper rule of law and that right. I would make a big deal of it if I wasn't right so that I so that I have the knowledge of what is appropriate and what is't appropriate way to treat somebody who is in police custody
2: okay? right
1: so that I would have the, the, the sense of that and you know coming from a, a, of an advance coming from an advanced nation then you know yeah uh, that, that I would have the perception and the ability to to know when I'm being grossly mistreated or not. Good, good. And so I you... don't think I was grossly mistreated. And, and um, you know, everybody was very mannerly to me, everybody was very polite to me, but they were all just doing their job and they're all part, they're all, like the police in some ways, this is my thing is the guards and the police are just cogs in the machine too. Right, right, right. You right, so read right. Solzhenitsyn from- Solzhenitsyn, um, yes. From uh, the Gulag Archipelago. Yes he felt sympathy for the guards because some of them, eventually the people that arrested him ended up in the same gulag as he did. Yes, eventually, yes. the machine ground them up too. And mm-hmm. there, was, there was, in the prison, there was, guard, there was former policemen in there. That's
0: a very, very interesting and important they way to put it, yes. got caught
1: up in the whole big machine too. Maybe, you know, they forgot to grease the cog that was getting them out of keeping them yeah. safe from getting prosecuted or they, they crossed the wrong person because there's different, you know, factions within police forces or any group. Or gang, or whoever way you want to describe it. There's different factions vying for power and there's different loyalties. And if you don't pay your bribe to this person or don't do this for that person, they're going to catch you. And maybe, you know, maybe it takes these guys a while to get out. Some of them get out and they get released. And some of them, you know, didn't have enough leverage to get their way out of it. But even people who know the system really well, like police officers, get snared in it too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: maybe they're corrupt, maybe they're not. The yeah. People that I met in prison, some of them were clearly um, innocent. Okay let's frustrated. let's talk about that but for some, a second. Some were some were clearly and admitted to their crime.
0: Okay. You know? Good. Good. Now let's let's move on from, from, from Okay. You're you're in lock. No, you're being booked.
1: Okay. Yeah. So getting back to the story. So just to truncate the story. So I spend the night in the police station. I get out. They take me, oh, well, I didn't get out. They take me to court the next day So I'm before the magistrate and they're bringing the charges for me and then there's some confusion about the charge. I'm like, well, this is an indictable offense. We better sort this out and uh, you have to, you know, you better come back to me with the correct charges. The magistrate is saying they were kind of, there was some confusion like, well, this charge. And she's like, well, this is indictable. So they're like, well, do you have any, do you know anybody in Trinidad? I'm like, no. And do you, do you have any place to stay? I said, no. I'm like, well, uh, one week remand in custody. And I'm like, what? Oh. <laughs> I'm like, a week in remand? So I'm like, well, why does it have to be so long? You know, all they have to do is like, can't, why can't we just come back tomorrow or, you know, come back in an hour, recess for an hour, let the police sort this out and let me come back in an hour. You know, I, I didn't get to reason all that. She's like, well, the normal time is 28 days. You want the 28 days? I'm like, okay, 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 I'll take the week. Holy shit. Yeah, so the threat... She threatened me to keep me in jail for a month, for 28 days, if I didn't accept the week. So I'm like,
2: oh. okay,
1: okay, okay, I'll take the week. Because, you, you know, when you're a prisoner in that situation, you have zero power. Yes. The Magistrate has all the power. And at their whim, they can do anything they want.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I didn't know, they were like, you don't need to pay a lawyer. The cops are all telling me, you don't need to pay a lawyer. The lawyer's not going to do anything for you. I won't do anything for you. Do you just have to pay the money just to get to just to pay a fine? So I'm like, but so I never got a chance to say, well, I do want a lawyer because I I was in the cell downstairs and they're like, okay, your time's up, and I'm like, oh, okay. So and I said, well, what if I want a lawyer? They're like, oh, no, you don't need one. And so they kind of like just left it at that. I wasn't left with like, well, I do want a lawyer. They never actually let me even say that. So then I got hauled up there before the magistrate without even actually giving somebody saying do you want a lawyer or not. So after that I got taken oh. and I'm like I'm like shit. This is serious. I really need a lawyer. So,
0: I have to ask you. I'm sorry. Were you Mirandized? Yeah. Okay. Oh
1: no, no, they did. Yeah, they did <laughs> engage me at the airport. Yes, they did. Okay. Okay. Right. okay. They, they did. But they, it wasn't really like Clear, like you can, they said you're entitled to a lawyer if you want one. And, and then and when I did ask them for a lawyer, they like, oh, got you, don't need one. Right. But right. I never pressed it from there because I never, like, thought that I was, you know, I was like kind of confused thinking, oh, do I need a lawyer? Do I not need a lawyer? The or a public opinion. defender. Yeah. And a good lawyer would have been able to see that this is an indictable charge and that he might have, but it. Even my lawyer, who I got later, it took him a while to figure out which charge to put and how to change it. He might have been able to do it, but maybe not then and there, because the police already wrote the charges up. So I don't right. think a lawyer would have changed my situation in that case.
0: Interesting.
1: Okay? I don't think they would have, So because the police already wrote up the indictable oh. offense. So then so then the cops were kind of surprised, too, right? Mm-hmm. they didn't know it was indictable. So <laughs> – <laughs> uh, the policeman who arrested me called my wife that night and apologized and said, "I'm sorry, your husband's in jail for a week." and I did. not That was very, very back kind back. of him.
0: very kind he of him.
1: And I don't like I, like I said, he's just a cog in the machine. right he's, he's you know, and he's following his orders, right? He's the new guy. What are you going to do in a situation? You're going to follow what your supervisor said. And somebody who doesn't follow what the supervisor said is not going to get promoted. Isn't going to get the good shifts. Is going to get drummed out of the service.
0: Interesting. That's what's
1: going to happen to you if you don't follow what your supervisor says in any situation. I don't care what country you're in or anything. You, in a situation like a hierarchy, military, police, anything like that, you have to follow the orders of your superior. And if you don't, you're going to be in trouble. So you have to toe the line. And that's how these people are just cogs in the machine, because they don't actually have the ability to, unless it becomes common, common practice, like it is in prison that have to, you know, lots of prisoners have phones and all the the black market stuff coming in is all being transported in by the guards. Right. You You know, know, I I have to say,
0: I have to say that's very generous and magnanimous of you to actually, you know, to be considerate of the circumstances that these officers uh, are in. Considering your uh, your plight, it's very nice.
1: Well, of- is, I, I put myself in this situation. I don't think I'd become a police officer or guard for those reasons. But everybody has to feed their family, right? So th- these people are just trying to feed their family. They're just normal people, and some of them are quite kindly and nice to me. And right. um, I don't have any problem with them. Even the guards in in the um, in the prison, we're all very mannerly, polite people. You know, maybe they're good at keeping the low rules, right? <laughs> but the upper rules, are, who knows? I don't know anything apart from my interaction with them. So, so, so
0: tell me about um, tell me about your uh, your you your experiences in a lockup. You you've spoken about okay, the yeah. then, in the prison.
1: So the, so after the court, so then they're like, okay, so then they put me in the van with all the rest of the guys going to the lockup, to the prison. So uh-huh. They didn't even tell me where I'm going. They're just like one week remand in prison. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to prison now for a week. Uh So, uh, you know, that was interesting. uh, Driving at high speed through town with the sirens blaring and all that. I guess they do that to keep people from getting broken out of custody. Uh Uh-huh, right, right. So I'm fine, whatever, you know. So then I'm in the back there and then. We go through, and it was funny to note when we got to the prison, they had the guards come out and they searched the vehicle and they had sniffer dogs come in and everything. And the guards were kind of miffed because they're like being treated like criminals by this other set of guards, you know? What? <laughs> because they searched the vehicle really well.
2: Uh, right, right.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, because I think there was another brand, I think the police were actually doing the searching for the prison guards or something on the certain prison guards, I think. Huh. Like it was another branch of uh, law enforcement that was searching the prison guards, or you know they didn't like being searched. They didn't like the police, the the prison vehicle being searched.
0: Right, but but it's just a protocol. I, I would imagine. No, sure, but that yeah.
1: remember, think about that. That's limiting their ability to smuggle things in if they're getting
2: yes, dogs, yes, drug,
1: dog, the drug dogs and searching everything and before they go into the prison, right? Right. So. So so I could see, okay, so I could see, okay, those guys, they're probably ticked that that's clamping down on some of their money-making schemes. In uh, the uh, yeah. Right? So, you know, that, you don't have to be a genius to put two and two together for these yeah. situations, right?
2: So then, so then you
1: know, I'm in there, I'm being processed, and um, the guards are like two or three of them are like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I had a keychain bullet. And they're like, what? I'm yeah, like, I had a keychain bullet and like, I'm here on ammunition charges and they're like, oh. they're just shaking their head, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, they know, I'm just a normal, they know that I'm just a normal person, right? I'm not a criminal. I haven't really done anything wrong apart from breaking a minor infraction. I'm right. actually having the bad fortune of not knowing the laws. Now, like, this is the other thing too. I take full responsibility. You know, I shouldn't have carried those bullets. I shouldn't have had them. That is my mistake. Right. I, I, I own it. I made that mistake. I shouldn't have done it. And I suffered the consequences for that. Okay? Right. Right. My feeling is, okay, so you have this law that catches average people like myself in this situation. Right? Mm-hmm. Change it so that you could just pay a fine at the airport if it's something right. that's nerd. But if it's real ammunition, sure, charge them. But if it's, if it's clearly an inert thing, if it's just a keychain or like a, a jewelry piece or something that's clearly inert, well, take it away and give them the fine there if you really want to discourage it.
2: Yes, yes.
1: That would have been a better thing, you know, and it wouldn't have cost so much. It would actually be cheaper for the state yes <laughs> you know?
0: exactly exactly that's one thing i was going to ask you about like your opinion on you that because mean, in, because in, it in, makes so no in, sense
1: in, on all the transportation and all the police the resources that and I, you know, yeah 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 right yeah. like the, the expense that was they're just recoup, recouping the cost of my incarceration that's all. Right. right.
2: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so so anyway so in in the prison you know like it wasn't great, but it wasn't like I've worked in mining exploration for twenty five years. I've been in some bush camps that were worse than prison, so okay. So, so when I was there, some of the guys in there were like, "Oh man, this really sucks." I'm like, oh, "I've been in some bush camps for this. just get over it, you know." I said, right. as long as you keep the rules, just do what they say exactly. Be a good, be a good model prisoner. It's a right. it easier for you, right?
0: So, so what was the <laughs> What was the atmosphere like in uh in prison? The it
1: was pretty relaxed. I wasn't okay. as violent as what I thought it was gonna be. People... Good. Like I was in the foreigner section. I only saw okay. one fight when I was there. I did see like a prisoner get beat beat by the guards a couple of times.
2: Okay. But they just
1: didn't do it indiscriminately, like the guy was causing problems. Right. And so they had warned him a couple of times, he didn't listen to their warning, and then he got a beating.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
1: Okay, so I never did anything, and therefore, nothing ever happened to me.
0: Right, right. right. So you you weren't scared shitless or anything like that, thinking yeah. something was going to happen to you or anything?
1: No, I wasn't. But, you know, when I first got in there, you don't know what the situation is. Right? Yeah. So my first time in there, I'm in with one guy in the cell, and he seemed quite nice. And him and I, you know, I asked him what he was in for. He said murder. And I said, well, did you do the murder? He says no. I just happened to be nearby when it happened. And so it would one guy was in there. He admitted to doing a murder. Oh, wow. Yeah, I killed the guy. This is, you know, and he hadn't had his trial yet. So then, I, so then I got into the yard, and I'm like, okay. So I didn't go in. I just stood in the corner and watched, right? Because I'm just sizing up the situation. Yeah. I didn't want to – I just wanted to observe. So I'm in yeah. observation mode, trying to figure out the lay of the land, right? Yeah. Trying to just not get into any trouble, just figure out what's going on, right? So then a guard, not a guard, a prisoner comes in and says, you're a Canadian? So I guess word had got around that the Canadian got arrested. And then um, they're like, this is the Canadian wants to see you. So I go over to him, he was in a different cell block, so we could talk to each other through the bars. He's like, oh man, where are you from? You know, so we exchange all the niceties of meeting another Canadian. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. He says, I, said, I said, dude, I don't even have a toothbrush. I don't have any clean underwear. I got, I got nothing.
2: So So, okay. <laughs> That's something that's, to talk something
1: about. Too. Yeah, the human rights thing. And we can go over that. Like, they let me access my carry-on luggage to get, like, a, cha- a shirt. Okay. Okay. And they said, you know, i to have a hat in there. So I had to put my hat away, which later turned out to be, like, not correct. That's how people with hats. Certainly. Right. And um, so they let me get a shirt. And that's all I could get from my bag. That's all that was useful to me. And a few books. So I got my books, magazines, and a shirt. Mm-hmm. I stuffed all my other stuff away, like I stuffed my gold jewelry and my watches and anything valuable. I stuffed that away in my luggage, which the guards kept for me, incidentally, very securely while I was in prison. They didn't take anything out of it. So that good. was very good. I, re- I respected them a lot for that. Good. And, um, you know, like I said, some of them were, were just normal guys who were just, you know.
0: Doing their jobs. They
1: weren't bad people. They were just doing their job, Right. Right. So then, um, so then, like when you get into prison, like shouldn't you get like a mattress, some sheets, the, uh, a change of clothes, a toothbrush, toothpaste, and soap, and a towel, lay in a bowl, a bowl, something you I, could enough that you could like live like a human, right?
0: Right. I, no, I've never been to prison, but I would imagine those would be the normal normal things that. You got occur. nothing.
1: You got nothing. They gave me yeah. nothing. Wow. Right. So. So when I got in there as a Canadian, like the the welfare officer, like you're entitled to see the welfare officer. So they told me that the, um, the, as soon as I was arrested, the Canadian consulate was notified or the embassy was notified. Okay. So then, so then they would have been notified but because it was a holiday, they didn't come the first day. So I told the welfare officer, I said, I want to see my, you know, and like the guards, I was like, I asked the guards I said, well, Kind a pillow, and so they just laughed, right? <laughs> they're really? Like, they're like, that I one of us even saying, like, "Well, I've been to prison in Canada. They don't get the prisoners' pillows there either." And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what they get in Canada,
2: but I know
1: <laughs> that I don't know. I, I I know that it's, you know, you, sure you could treat people badly where they just are sleeping on a piece of cardboard or carpet, or you could treat people like they're humans and they're entitled to some human rights. They get a mattress and they get a sheet and they get a bowl and a change of clothes, right? So everybody has that in there, but they got to acquire it while they're in there. So right. I, got the, I, I got the consulate, they showed up to me. And incidentally, the consulate, they don't expect your government to do anything for you. Like the, they didn't do anything for me except go to the mall with money that I gave them they let me access my bag to get some cash out. Go to the mall and buy me some few little things. Right. Some underwear, so just, and shirt, and toothbrush, and toothpaste, soap, and a towel.
0: Right. So just to be clear, this is just lockup. You're not even convicted yet.
1: No, I'm in remand. Wow. Okay. This is everybody where I was was in remand. I was so it's not mad. even prison.
2: <laughs> you you,
1: you yeah, didn't even make we it to the in big house prison, yet. Prison, but we were all on remand. Nobody oh, in my area has been convicted. Nobody in my area, some of them hadn't even had their full trial yet. Most of them hadn't even had their trial yet. Uh, okay. Huh.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is this everybody is everybody
1: in my section was on remand.
0: Right. This is worse. Some
1: of, were, some of them were there six, seven, nine years. On remand. What that's the part that I wanted to draw attention to.
0: Go ahead, please do.
1: So, well yeah, there's people in there. Okay, so the Canadian guy, yeah, he admitted to trafficking drugs. He admitted to moving cocaine and having cocaine and being caught with cocaine. And he had been trying to plead guilty for 14 months. But they wouldn't accept his guilty plea. What? Why? So back and forth gathering evidence, quote unquote.
0: <laughs> it makes no sense. So, so basically, he's going to get a lot of time served.
1: He might. But they told, some of the guys said, you don't get that there. What? To get it added on. I don't know if you get time served. Somebody, a lawyer would have to answer that question. Some people right. say you do, but some of the guys told me in there they don't. So I don't know what the real truth is. Some people say you don't. Some people say you do. So I don't know. I'd have to hear from another prisoner, actually, who, who claims to have not been given time served for this time, right? Hmm. Otherwise, I would assume that you should, but some of them claim that they don't. But I can't say that 100%. So anyways, he'd been there 14 months trying to plead guilty. Gone through that's, three lawyers.
0: That's incredible.
1: Yeah. So then also Canada has a treaty with Trinidad that uh, they'll do prisoner exchange. If, if you're a Canadian, you can be sent back to Canada to serve out your sentence in Canada. Right, right. Well, one of them had been in there three years or whatever, and he tried to get that, and they, they just said no.
0: So, So what is the reasoning behind all of this, do you think?
1: Um, I think this is just my suspicion. This is what some prisoners think that you're just cattle for the prison system. The more people they have incarcerated, the more people they have that they, they can buy food for, buy supplies for, and that they could, they, and they could and that they could pill off of you. Funding, yeah. yeah, to get well their own personal funding, not like they don't care about the prison system having enough money they care about what they could pilfer from their own selves I'm sure there's a prison warden or guard somewhere who has a mattress store who sells the mattresses
0: no shit that's a, that's a good right. point
1: I'm sure there's a prison I, this is what the prisoners tell me too right because they see what's going on like if you want a mattress I had to pay cigarettes to get a mattress right and I got this old dingy mattress that the guy <laughs> who was in cell says yeah I used that one before <laughs> <laughs> it's like a four-inch, it's this four-inch, three-inch foam right? It's $9, yeah, $9, yeah, $9. yeah. And I, because I spent a lot of time in Guyana in the jungles, I was used to more of a hammock. I could sleep in a hammock, so I paid some Venezuelan guys down the cell block to make me a hammock. I had to pay him five cigarettes for a hammock. That's fifty dollars because each cigarette, fifty dollars Canadian. Each cigarette is worth like a, a ten dollars Canadian.
0: Wow, that's interesting. Now, yeah, now, currency
1: in there, right? So yeah. I got a hammock after a couple of days, and I was very comfortable on that. Oh, good, good, good. Well, yeah, better than a, better than any mattress. I'll sleep so, so,
0: hammock. so this this system that they have here do you are you saying that they take home the food meant for the
1: prisoners? Well, the, some of the prisoners actually said that one of the the previous um, uh, wardens was caught with a whole bunch of chicken.
0: No shit. At
1: his house or something. And they were like, oh, yeah, like all the chicken that's supposed to come to us. Because you don't get much meat. Like right. the meals, the meals go like this. So in the morning, you get two buns with butter or two buns, one with butter, one with like a piece of jam, piece of peanut butter or some leftover food from last night. in it. So two buns. And then you get like, um, uh, there's a drink they have. Can't remember the name of it. Like it's a really watered down coffee, and then another one that's kind of gross tasting. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not really great, right? And then, and then lunchtime you get like a cup of rice and a cup of whatever fried beans and rice, like beans, and and then you get like one little piece of meat, like piece of fish, piece of mystery meat. <laughs> Like all the, all the Canadians are like, what is this? You know, but they haven't they lived in the developing world. I've lived in, in I've, I've lived in camps in Guyana where, you know, I've seen what the meat is and, you know, like the way they cook it and everything. And they do chopped chicken, right? Where they just chop the chicken up into a whole bunch of pieces. So you get like four or five bites worth of chicken for your meal. Right. Right. But in prison you get like one or two bites worth. So in wow. some of the mining camps I've been in, they, like, it's just chopped up. It's not like quartered, and then you get a drumstick, and you get a wing, and you get a breast, and you get a thigh. None of that is in, like, in where in Guyana. Like, you can get that at a restaurant, but in camps, they just chop it up with a meat cleaver or a cutlass, and it's yeah. chopped up into little pieces. I suspect Trinidad's kind of similar.
0: Very similar. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah but, but this is for grown men so in prison. Complete.
1: Yeah, so prison, you get, like, one little piece.
0: Yeah. Not, that's, so that's insufficient. That's insufficient for grown men.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, for sure. It's in Trust me, there's fat guys in there and there's skinny guys. So <laughs> all the skinny guys are the guys who can't afford to get anything extra. There's fat guys. That I said, and I said, how long have you been in here? He said, Oh, three years or something. I said, how are you fat? I said, you're a fat guy. I said, I can see you eat well. How are you eating? well? I laughed Right. But then turns out later, He's the guy coming around selling pop and cookies and, and biscuits and everything else, and then another guy comes around with a full meal on a tray with like a nice quarter of chicken, a macaroni and cheese, some string beans, and some mashed potatoes with gravy, and that's all in a really nice tray. I said, "How much for that meal?" He says, one, uh, "One cigarette."
0: Right. So, so the, I didn't there's have just
1: a cigarette, so I couldn't buy it. So,
0: right.
1: Maybe it was a leftover guard's meal or who knows what, right? Right. But, so you know, like the kitchen, the, k- the prison kitchens run by the prisoners, right? So.
0: Right. So there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, some sort of commerce for their friends. and Of
1: course uh... there's commerce. That's, everywhere in the world there's commerce. Yeah, yeah. So there's commerce the because sir. people want to get their cigarettes and their marijuana, and I don't smoke either. So right. some people had to do what they had to do to get their marijuana and their cigarettes every day.
0: I wonder what I could only imagine.
1: <laughs> Nobody smokes a full cigarette there. They'll take one cigarette and break it up into like four or five little cigarettes, right? Uh huh. Because you will never—that's pretty wasteful to smoke one full cigarette. Right, <laughs> right, you can get right. Five little ones. They down. ration it that's out. the smokers, yeah. That's the smokers because it's scarce, right? Yeah. Especially when cigarettes are ten dollars each. hmm mm-hmm. So there, so you know, so people are like buying and selling stuff, making profit and on on the stuff, right? So I'm sure who is ever bringing it in has to be guards or somebody. I don't know who else would be able to bring it in without question. But they must be bringing stuff in. And one of the Canadians said that he had his family send in, send in care packages for him with all kinds of food and cookies and stuff like that. And he got like a little bit of it. Then he saw another prisoner with one of his things that he knew could only come from him because it's like a Canadian brand of cookie or chocolate bar or something that could have only have come from him. And he's like seeing that, that um, somebody had been stealing it and selling it to other prisoners. Wow. Who's doing that? Right. Mm -hmm. Who's doing that? So, so in my view, the whole prison system is to milk resources out of the people. So the guards could actually have a higher standard of living in the, Prison warden can have a higher standard of living. And it's all about personal greed. Sometimes it's just survival because if your salary isn't very high, you may need to try to find ways to supplement it.
0: An honest person
1: will try to supplement it with a second job or whatever. But, you know, the hardened criminals uh, run the joint there because they could kill anybody. They could have anybody killed they want.
0: Okay. Say that again, please.
1: Well, the hardened criminals kind of run the place because they can have anybody killed that they want.
0: Did you see any of the hardened criminals or experience anything, heard anything?
1: uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, I did see one guy, and I don't really want to draw too much attention to him. But there was a guy there who people told me had, you know, uh, made threats to guards. Like, the guards didn't want to go to one section. He's like, oh, man, it sure would be a shame if somebody broke into your house and murdered your wife and daughter. Mm -hmm. And he goes, okay, go along your way. Right? <laughs> so, like to say that to a guard, if that is an open threat, I don't know what is, right? Wow. So, yeah, and I heard that one guy got offended by something the warden did, and a week later, the warden was machine gunned down.
0: It may, yeah, it might have made the papers.
1: Well, yeah, prison guards, you know, that's a dangerous job. If you cross one of the hardened criminals, uh, from what I understand, like the other guys in the Canadians, were well, like, you could have somebody killed for like a thousand bucks in here. For the price of a gun, you could have somebody murdered. Wow. So if you're willing to do it, you know, I would never be willing to do anything like that. But sure, some of these guys are. Some Neither would are I. Cheap, right? Yeah, I could do something like that. So even if yeah. the guy was a was a murderer or something, I that's not up to me to uh, put justice on somebody. So I do believe in a justice system. So you know, like as far as I'm concerned, so the 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 really violent guys, they kind of get what they want. They kind of can live nicely in there. You know, sort of like the the sort of like the movie Goodfellas. You see those guys in the prison and yes. in there, they got their own little kitchen. They're making pasta, and the guards just left <laughs> them alone, right?
0: And teaching each each other how to cut the uh, the garlic.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, while you're in prison, you learn how to pick locks, learn how to scan the system, because what else you got to do but train other people how to be criminals, right?
0: right 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 so i understand that you you know you wanted to do something to help or cure the uh yeah. dilemmas of the prisoners uh well you know. this
1: is what i felt like to me look i'm just a regular guy who got inconvenienced for a week but it did cost me a fair bit of money it cost me like ten thousand dollars
2: oh my so god
1: things. well lost income cost me to buy the extra the new plane ticket and you you know you want to buy a ticket three weeks from now yeah you get one price but if you want to buy a ticket. The next available ticket, that's going to cost you like three grand. Yes. Let's not pretend that, oh, yeah, well, you can just rebook your ticket for what you paid. No, you can't. You and want to just fly be- out to Trinidad as soon as possible, fly that I could get with three days. It still costs a few thousand bucks. Then I had to pay the fine. Then I had to pay.
0: Yeah, not not with Caribbean Airlines, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'll, I don't really want to fly Caribbean Airlines, to be honest with you. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Let's just put it this way. Um, Trinidadian, um, Trinis, and this was told to me by other Americans, I never came up with this, but the American told me who flies in there, flies there a lot. Like he mm-hmm. had to have extra pages added to his passport. Okay. That's how much he flies. He said, oh yeah, the Trinidad the air, the air, the, uh, Bee back then it was B, we, I guess now it's, um, Caribbean Airlines. he said, oh yeah, they've got the worst reputation. They're really snotty. You that's know?
0: true. That's true.
1: Oh, he's like, yeah, they're kind of snotty. So yeah. and I found that to be the case.
0: And I just wanted to take take this opportunity, now that you've said that, to address Trinidadians who are listening and who will be listening. Um, this is something that we need to change to stay true to the name Trinidad Renaissance. These these are the things, the things that this, this gentleman is saying here, these are the things that that you know need to be changed, need to be, you know, looked at because in answering the question how ought we to live here it is your attitudes your uh you know all these things need to be taken into account
1: well i would say and i want to i want to and i did say this in one of the interviews but they cut it out is is i do want to say that i met a lot of i I did meet some nice Trinidadians. my lawyer was great
2: okay tell us about that i
1: stayed with the person i stayed with after i was released was great she tried to come to the prison twice but they turned her away
0: Wow, do you mind elaborating on your lawyer yeah, and, and? My lawyer
1: was good, and this is how I got my lawyer. Once I got told I was going to be another week, I'm like, guard, guard. <laughs> so the guard finally comes down. What? And I'm like, look, I need a lawyer. He's like, he's, I say, go get a lawyer for me, please, please, anybody. I don't care who. Just get me a lawyer. So he comes back and says, my supervisor says he can't get a lawyer. And I'm like, no, man. I said, I need a lawyer. I'm entitled to my rights. I'm supposed to have a lawyer. Uh-huh. Nobody gave me the chance to get a lawyer. You need to get me a lawyer. Right. So about 20 minutes later, they call me back. They call me out. They let me come out. And I come back into where the police are sitting at the, at the bottom of the courthouse. And there's a, there's a, they said, here's a lawyer for you. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you.
2: Right, So He right.
1: said, do you have your charge sheets? I gave him the charge sheets. And he's like, oh, my gosh, this is indictable. So he spotted immediately, uh-huh. right? So turns turns of my lawyer had been a police officer. He gave it to the rank of sergeant. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then he was a prosecutor for a while. Okay. And then he turned private law practice. So he's quite knowledgeable of every aspect of the system. And so I'm like, he says, look, you cannot retain me right now. He says, you have to get somebody to send money to retain me. And then he says, right now, all I'm doing this is if it's a favor for you. So the guard let me access my phone to get my father's phone number. And we called my father on the, on the um, lawyer's phone and, arranged for my father to make a payment to him to retain him as my lawyer.
0: Oh, my God. Hallelujah. There's still really
1: nice people in Trinidad. I have to say that the the guards at the courthouse were very polite guys. They were all, they were all, they were kind. They they didn't put me in the first time with some of the other general population that may have my own cell, right, when I was at the bottom of the courthouse. And so, they were good. Go- they were good people. I, you know, like I said, I think there's a lot of good people that are just caught up in the whole corrupt system. Yes, yes. Just like, well, if I want to live, I got to do this or I, my salary doesn't pay me enough. So I got to I got to feed my family. I got to send my children to school. I have to, you know, people are caught up in that system, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're just This is what I tell people. We're all just rowers in the Roman galley. Like, I'm just a rower next to you. You ever see the movie Ben-Hur? Like, I'm just one right, of right. just those guys at the bottom of the ship. rowing. The galley slaves, yeah. else is, exactly. We're all just galley slaves, man. Like, you think I'm any better off, like, in Canada? We're galley slaves here, too. People right. are graduating with hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans. Right. They can't ever get a house. They can't even get a job. What do you think their chances are? They're going to be a debt slave their whole life. Right, right. right. So, that's what's happening to our society, not just in Trinidad. Trinidad's you know, been that way for a long time, and this is why like, the free market system is what brings people out of that. That's why I'm such a free market and capitalist advocate. So, so am
0: I. I. I happen to be an anarcho-capitalist uh, yeah. myself.
1: Yeah, I'm more of a libertarian kind of person. I do believe in some government, but I think that as minimal government as possible. Same here. So just as minimal, just, just enough to keep the law in order, protect us from foreign, foreign adversaries and make sure that, uh, that our transactions with each other are correct and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So anyways, that's off the topic. But um, I do think that, uh, what, was it, what were we talking about, really? What was our last question? You were
0: basically um, telling me about curing uh, the, uh, the dilemmas of the prisoners that were there.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We really got <laughs> So the prisoners, they're in there for, like, years and years. Like, yeah. hire a few magistrates, hire a few more prosecutors, get these things, clear the backlog. Right? Yes, yes. Why do you have people in there? Clear your backlog. I've listened to other systems that have had backlogs. Like, say there's, there's been hospitals in Canada, and there's, like, a three-month waiting list for the MRI. Okay. So a real efficient person who comes in who is never in the government, they go, oh, okay, well, let's add two more shifts for the MRI. We'll work at 24 hours until we clear the backlog. Because everybody's getting in at three months. It's not like it's stacking up. So clear the backlog, and then everybody can get in within a week.
0: Right, right, right. Yes, right? So I agree with you.
1: Because, so hire a few magistrates, hire some prosecutors, clear the backlog, and get ah. it done.
0: You know, I, I think a lot of Trinidadians have been voicing their opinions on that, actually.
1: Well, yeah, like, you're but right. Then they get to, but then here's the thing, you know, it is a bit of unfair for foreigners, too, because there's guys who are telling me, yeah, if you're a Trinidad, they would just, they've just they heard of guys just getting off with a fine for keys of cocaine and just being released. Maybe he paid a magistrate, maybe he had connections, maybe they just liked him because he was Trini. Who knows? Right, right. right. But in a the Canadian, they're like throwing the book at you. So... The magistrate that was told, that they told me that, yeah, she doesn't like, she doesn't like foreigners. And, and I hear that from a few people they are like, yeah, Trinity don't like foreigners very much. Yeah. And so that's what people have told me. And I have to say, maybe some do, some don't. It's like Guyanese. There's some Guyanese that don't like white people. And I experienced that firsthand. But right. some don't care. Some like white people. Some don't care. Some don't yeah. like people. So don't, let's not pretend that you know racism is everywhere, right? Right. So th- right. She could have been a racist. She could have, maybe she's just like foreigners, whatever color you are. Who knows? I don't know if she is or not, but she, I don't think I got like a hundred percent reasonable treatment from her. Mm-hmm. You know. So right. I think she could have said, "Look, let's recess for an hour. You guys can sort this out. Come back in an hour, right? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course. Of course. Like something reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And so and so, you know, there's different. Different um, ways of dealing with people, but maybe you get kind of hardened after day in day out dealing with petty criminals all the time. Who knows? the people, it does. Who knows? It does but, but, they,
0: but but don't you think there should be some sort of uh, I don't know some
1: some sort of uh, I don't know?
0: Help me out here.
1: Well, so you need so an how- ombudsman. You need a prison ombudsman or, or a police ombudsman. Somebody who listens to the to the people who aren't getting proper legal redress, right, right, or right. For them to like an ombudsman does that fills that role, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, 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 or you know, someone who's extra departmental,
0: a legal aid office or something.
1: Well, some like well, the word is ombudsman, and we have them in the West. Yeah. They're a Western idea. They're from Britain. Yeah, uh, so yeah, the old legal system, and that person is carried over from the British system. And um, it's in the United States. It's in all the places where the Brits used to be. So there should be a provision I believe... in Trinidad.
2: Yeah. I, I or like an that...
1: advocate for those type of people. Or there should be politicians willing to take up the cause. Right. right. Things change too, right? Right. Like, look at, let's look at the American system. Didn't, uh, what's her name, um, Jenner, just go see uh, President Trump and about prison reform?
0: Right. Where's yes. the
1: advocate for in Trinidad, where is the stars, the the, the Soca music stars or the good point people saying, "Hey yeah. man, these prisoners are mistreated."
0: Where but are the activists, the
1: prime minister, where is the high up activists? And I did hear from a Soca guy, and I never questioned him, but I appreciated his support. He felt embarrassed for the whole thing too, because yeah. he was a Soca yeah. artist. And so I think if you have that influence, why not? Yeah, use it about it. Use change. It. We're yeah, good, right. Yes, and, yes. And they, if see, politicians are they? People don't realize how much power we have. The people. We have power to make change. If yes. enough of us get together and say, "Look, we're not tolerating this. We yes, need to change yes. this system," the politicians will will go where the wind blows.
2: Right, they but, but, but they don't
1: care. They don't care about the prisoners. They only care about the vote.
2: Yeah, yeah, and money. Votes and
1: money, that's right.
2: That's right.
1: So right now the votes and the money aren't where on the prisoner's side right yeah. now. Yeah. Where's the advocates? Where's the where's the former like retired you know, people that don't have anything to lose that are untouchable, right? Mm-hmm. They can't be destroyed. You know, nobody could nobody could challenge uh, I can't remember her name, but you know who I'm talking about. Kanye oh. west's wife.
0: Oh, Kim Kardashian, yeah. She's Kim becoming Kardashian. a lawyer as well.
1: Well, Kim Kardashian, right? I don't watch reality. I don't know anything about movie stars. or anything. I don't watch those people. But I guess she's a big deal. But she got in to see the president and managed to advocate for the prisoners.
0: Yes, yes. So, where so, so
1: the, She's untouchable, right? Nobody can bring her down. Yeah,
0: yeah. So where, where
1: are, are the – uh, That's the right. Hey, man, stick your neck up for somebody. Help your fellow citizens who are being downtrodden. Like, I saw guys in there who said, I was just happen to be standing there, and they, I was just a witness to this thing, and they grabbed me because I happened to be there and said, well, you must have something to do with it, and so we're grabbing you, too. Right. right. So that's the attitude of the police, right? Yes. So, so I, I have to ask you. sort it out later. Yeah.
0: So I have to ask you, right? Right. Um, so an adventure. Someone sticks sticks up their neck. Let's say it's a uh, a cricketer, or um, I don't know, a soca artist who is well known, and someone with, with huge influence sticks up their neck, and they're doing something about alleviating the backlog, mm-hmm. and also the 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 conditions in the lockup. Do you mm-hmm. think? Do you think that bettering the conditions would have an impact on the, the uh, recidivism rates? Do you think it, it would? I don't know about that.
1: I, I think prison you know, prison's a pretty inconvenient thing. Like when I was there, I, I have a different attitude than some people. Like there was a cellmate of mine who was like, oh, man, I'm going to be here for like three more years probably. He hadn't had his trial yet, but he figured he was going to be here for three more years. And I just said, look, I said, look, you got a couple of ways to deal with this. And he was just sleeping every day, all day. I said, look, change your attitude, man. Mm-hmm. Said what are you going to do? You're going to come out, I said, come out of here better, stronger, smarter than what you were when you came in. I said, I said, take your time, read books. I said, right. what's your creative outlet? I said, do you, write a book. He says, well, I said, what do you like to do? He says, I like to write music. I said, get a notebook, write whatever songs you like. You like rap, music? like want to like rap, write rap music. I said, write yeah. a rap song a day, work on your rap music. I said, you could learn to speak Spanish. There's enough Spanish people here like Get into conversations with them. Learn Spanish.
0: Uh-huh. Read a book. Yeah.
1: Write a book. Like, do something with your time here. Don't waste your time.
0: That's right. Come That's out true.
1: here better. Think and plan. You could write a whole business plan. Get a barbershop. He says, Yeah, I want to make more barbershops. And i like, Okay, well, then write your business plan. Yeah.
2: Get yeah. I'll figure it all
1: figured out, man. When you yeah. come out, hit the ground running so that you yes. can way ahead of yes. the game. So he said, Use your time to do something positive with yourself. Yeah. Right. And he's like, he said, man, I don't know how you got to be so positive. I said, that's just the way I am. I said, I said, all I was doing there was biding my time. It all came down to my second court appearance when my my lawyer managed to get them to change the charge. And then I just got to pay a fine and get released. Right. right. Thank goodness for my good lawyer. Okay.
0: Yes. Yes. Thanks to him.
1: Yeah. And um, he's a really good guy. I got nothing but praises for him. And, um, the other Trinidad lady who, who I stayed at her bed and breakfast when I was finished, who was a friend of my father's from years ago. And, um, she was so kind and, um, she, she wanted to, she's just trying to make a better life for herself by having a bed and breakfast. And like, yes. and, like, there are good people out there. And I don't want to slam Trinidad too much. It's like, it's a scary place for tourists to go. I'm not trying to knock Trinidad. I, I would like to see the carnival. It's not my thing, but some people want to go for that. They, they want to go for I would never say anything bad about, like, the country as a whole. But, you know, I have to say what the truth is.
0: Yeah, certain things, so I'm not certain certain things need to change.
1: i something under the carpet just because it makes the country look bad. I'll criticize my country, and I'll say, hey, you know, foreign services doesn't do anything for you as a Canadian, and I'll criticize that. In Canada, that's a Canadian issue, and that's something that I'll criticize about my country, and I do criticize my country. If anybody sees my Facebook account, they know I have a lot of criticisms of my own country. Just because you have a, a country that you're proud of, and I'm a proud Canadian, you could can be a, a proud Trinidadian and still want to improve your country and criticize problems with it, there's nothing right. wrong with that. So cr- criticism means you live in a free society. Right. If right. you can't criticize, you don't live in a free society. So you have to be able to criticize. Them. That's actually good. Trinidad is a has a level of freedom. So criticize, you know, say the things that need to be changed, but start with yourself. Right? Yes. You want yes. to change the society? Start with yourself. Your family, your circle of friends, encourage other people to do what you're doing, and then over time, that's what happens. That's how change happens, and then, and then you know, um, make things better for your whole country. Point out the flaws. Good famous person, get them to the champion your cause. You know, get some politicians, lobby politicians, meet with them, try to get somebody to to do the changes. Like it could happen if enough people get behind it. But Trinidad is it not my country. Okay, I'm just passing through. That's for the Trinidadians to change. And your message is so important.
0: I have goosebumps yeah, now. <laughs> you
1: are you're in charge of your own country, and you have the power. Everybody has the power in their own country to change things, right? Even the guards union, right? The guards wanted. I think they tried to like say they were at risk, and so they could become um, they could become <laughs> refugees that qualify for refugee status in Canada. <laughs> but the Canadian government shut that down pretty fast because they couldn't have all the prison guards all of a sudden <laughs> arriving in Canada. Right, up, right. As he says Because their life was in danger. So, but do you understand what I mean? Like, if the, the, the police union, the, you know, start somewhere, start with community groups. Start with start a community group like a neighborhood watch, and then you've got power. I've made change in Canada.
2: Right.
1: I've organized community groups that, that got a dog park. Built in my city, I've organized community groups that, that got the city to pay for security guards around my shop. Okay, I've organized things, so you can do it. You can change things, but you have to be the one fighting for that to do it, and it takes more than one person. I've organized a group of of merchants in my area. Like I wasn't, just, I wasn't the person, but there was a few of us that got together that organized it. I was just one of a few people who did it, and we got the city to pay for security guards to to. to to monitor our neighborhood at night
2: right right because we had a
1: homeless problem in that area so you can do it as power powers with the people to change if you want something to change if people think oh you're just stupid and you deserve to be in prison then nothing is going to change absolutely back to your own small-minded way of thinking Okay. Right, but my suggestion to the guards—some of the guards actually listened to what I said. But they like, "Well, you said we should change the things. What do you think we should change?" And I said, "Just this. I said you have the power to get the laws changed so that a guy like me doesn't get to spend a week in prison that I can pay a fine at the airport." Okay, fine. Precisely. Okay, it's illegal, just make me pay a fine, and I can be like, "Cause yeah. I wasn't even stopping in Trinidad; I was just in transit." Right. So make it so that a guy like me can just—you know—you're not the last thing you want to become a tourist destination you look at the successful tourist country. tourists don't want any inconvenience or threat Ex- at
2: Legal all
1: problems that's injustice. right
2: that's right
1: cuba you look at cuba when's the last time you heard of somebody getting robbed or attacked or anything in cuba
0: i don't think it i've ever yeah 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 it never
1: happens Do you know why because the police put a clamp down on that because that would harm the the, the economy countries. yeah exactly yeah. So you want people coming down for carnival. You want people coming down for your events, to, to, for bird watching, to come in as a tourist for the beaches, to see the sea turtles. There's so many wonderful things about Trinidad. Right. Make people. it hospitable. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, but make it hospitable. Be polite to people. Yes. Be mannerly. And not to say that there wasn't people, but there's certainly some. If, if the frontline people are the, are the stewards and stewardesses on your airlines are a little snotty, that's not the right attitude you want to have coming into your country, right?
2: Yes, yes. So,
1: or if the customs guys are a little bit snippy to you, right? That's not, that's not going to encourage people to come into your country. Right, You want to fine-tune all those little things and make it better. And the right. only people that could, like, help you fix those things are people who have traveled and lived overseas. Because if you've never gone anywhere and done anything, you may have an idea, but you're not going to have anything to compare it to, right? You're mm-hmm. not going to have any, you know, when I'm in Canada, the guards are like, oh, I'm so sorry. Do, do you want to run to your, do you want to go now? Get, go change it, put your knife into your bag? I'll call them and tell them you're coming. You know, like. That's the, the customer Helpful. is the it, the customer is the passenger. Yes. Right. Yes. That has to flip. This happened to me in Africa too. I was trying to buy a ghetto blaster, like a stereo, and I'm going down the shops, and I'm like, "Oh, can I try it out?" And this one guy wouldn't let me touch the stereo to try it out before I bought it.
0: Oh my god! I'm like,
1: fine. I'm walking out. So I walked out of the Not store. I buy found it. another guy. I found another guy and he took me to the store. I said, I bought it. I came back to the store and I showed the guy and my stereo. said, You missed out on this because you wouldn't let me touch the stereo. Exactly. The-. Exactly. I said that too when I went along my way, right? Yes. That's in Guyana, the missing mentality is there too sometimes.
2: Yeah, it, it is. It is. The customer
1: service is missing. And in Canada, I own a retail shop in Canada. Somebody comes into my shop, I'm like, What can I do? Yeah, of course. What do you need? And, and like, you know what I'll even do? I'll even tell them where to buy it if I don't right. Even if it's my competitor. Even if it's your competitor. That's right. Everybody knows that you're, when the salesman is lying to you and he knows the competitor. Mm-hmm. Has it. I got, just this morning, a guy came into my shop and I was opening it up. guy came into my shop and said, hey, I'm looking for some t-shirts. I said, oh, I don't I have any of those. I'm out of those, but I know the other Army Surplus has them. And I said, he opens at 12 and here, here's directions to where he is. Right. You know what? That guy will remember that and remember like an honest merchant. who is Honest. That's right. And then, you know what? That'll get me more customers than saying, oh, I don't know how to help you, buddy. Right. Because you know, they know I must know. I know my competition. They know I must in the end, if they find him on their own, they're going to go, no, oh, that guy must have known there's another army." arm. Why didn't you tell me about it?
0: Yeah, it's going to be etched in the memory.
1: Yeah, so just blindness. be honest. Like I said, the integrity Yes. You. All I can control is myself. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's the only person I can control. You can't, and anybody who has children knows you can only control your children up to a point. And you yeah. certainly can't control your spouse. So <laughs> all you can control is you. Right? Okay. You know what I'm talking about, right?
2: Yes, so, of course.
1: And you can only control your children to a point. Anybody who has pubescent teenagers knows that. Yeah, yeah. At some point, you can't control them anymore. They're gonna—they're in charge of their life. And you can't—you have no say in what they do. All you can do is rely on the teachings you had, you know. And you can force them, but in the end, when they—soon as, as they get out of your hands, they're gonna go completely in you know, a different direction.
0: Good. So I'm gonna end with your with your message, yeah. and because you, your message—I I have to tell you, man, thank you very much because your message is, is extremely necessary for Trinidad right now. So well, thank I you very that, much, Brian.
1: I, I, people think I dislike Trinidad. I like Trinidad. I'm not going to come through again because I don't want to have any problems. But I, I, I want the best for Trinidad. I'd love to see it succeed. Trinidad has all these things. Oil. So much oil and all the money coming in from that. The tourism. The, all the things that could be from there. Like think the beautiful, about the potential. Yeah, the the yeah. birds. The the beaches. The, the, the small pieces of rainforest that are left there. Like. Nothing wrong with that. You know, it's a small line, a lot of people. You can only conserve so much. I get all of that. So, you know, the historical sites, all of that stuff is would be interesting to people. People are looking for places to go.
2: Yeah. Yeah. People
1: like so the idea sh- of Carnival, like all those things, positive things. I hope it improves. But if, if the murder rates stay high and all these things are a problem, it's gonna scare people away.
0: Yes, it is. Thank you very much for that message. So Trinidadians, I hope you pay heed to Brian Doubt. You know, change has to start with you. Stop complaining and bitching and whining and become activists to affect change in the country. As a matter of fact, I would like to reference um what's his name? Jamel the Entertainer, uh, who took it upon himself, himself and he and his uh, his friends to put up signs, parking signs, because you know, the, the park there are no parking signs, and people are not aware that they that they can't park in certain places. And even if they were aware. You know, they suffer the consequences of very high and costly tickets. So he took it upon himself to make the uh, general populace aware where where they can and shouldn't park. And that's what mm-hmm. you have to do. You have to become activists and affect change in your communities. Start the with yourself. You are the government. You are the government and the government is you. You are a reflection of your government. And Brian, I want to thank you very, very much for coming on to my podcast and uh, sharing Thanks your story. For with me.
1: I only wanted this to be something positive, come out of it. And, and I promised the guys I was in prison with that I would do something about it and to draw, draw attention for them. I'm going to keep fighting for them. I don't know what next steps I can do. And um, I got a few prison stories I wanted to share with you, and, and I, maybe you'll post them up on, on your webpage. We talked about that a little bit. So I, I just want I – I, I don't want people to forget about these poor people in prison, some of them innocent, some of them criminals, but they deserve to be treated fairly, serve their yeah. time and let, let go.
0: Absolutely.
1: And be treated fairly when they're there, right?
0: Real due process.
1: Yes, proper due process. Yes, yes. Thank you
0: very much, Brian. Thank you. Have a good night.
1: You too. Take care. Bye-bye.